to the ExtraordinaryChurch.ca podcast, where ordinary people experience extraordinary life in Jesus Christ. You are about to hear a message that will encourage you to become and experience all that Jesus Christ has for you. Are you ready? Open up your Bibles because something extraordinary is about to happen. Let me read the first, the first verse and then you can be seated. Isaiah 7, 14. Therefore the Lord himself shall give you a sign. Behold, a virgin shall conceive and bear a son and shall call his name Emmanuel. The prophet said, Behold, a virgin will conceive and bear a son and shall call his name Emmanuel, meaning God with us. Uh, you can be seated if you'd like. I'm going to read two more portions of Scripture. Revelation 17 and 14. It says, These shall make war with the Lamb. We understand that the Bible says that Jesus was the Lamb slain before the foundation of the world. So it's talking of the Lord. It says, And the Lamb shall overcome them. Hear it now. For He is Lord of lords and King of kings. And they that are with Him are called chosen and faithful then revelation chapter 19 and verse 16 and he hath on his vesture and on his thigh a name written king of kings and lord of lords so in our first verse the prophet says he shall be emmanuel in our second verse he is the lord of lords and the king of kings and in our last verse he is the king of kings and the lord of lords we first see him as a baby an infant. But by the end of the text, the Bible pronounces him King of Kings and Lord of Lords. So I want to preach to you on this title for a few minutes From the Manger to Majesty. Amen. Would you pray together with me? Father, we're so grateful for the opportunity to be in your presence with people of like precious faith. I know that you have a word for us today, I know that you have come with great intention. The power of your spirit is going to minister to minds and hearts and bodies, families in this room today. Lord, we offer you ourselves now. We surrender every idea. We let every wall down. We pray your kingdom come, your will be done. Father, we give you permission. Come on, would you pray that right now? Say, God, I give you permission to speak to me, to minister to me. Have your way in my life and my heart. In Jesus' name we pray. And everybody said amen. Amen. From the manger to majesty. It was 700 years before the birth of Christ that a Hebrew prophet born in Jerusalem rises to prominence. His name is Isaiah. And his words carry such prophetic significance that Still 3,000 years later, I would rise to this pulpit today and read it as my text. We call him, theologians call him the Messianic prophet. It was he who foretold the Messiah's coming. Messiah, the one who would rescue Israel from all wicked and cruel oppression. Messiah, the one who would come and he would heal the sick. And the prophecy said that he would open the blinded eyes. Messiah. These are the people who have gone from captivity to captivity, struggling to live in the victory God had promised them. And so Messiah to them 
must be a conquering king. They had waited for a great military strategist, a leader who would deliver them from the oppression of their enemy. This was their concept of Messiah. They had expected, they had waited, but the chosen path of his coming was something they were not ready for. They could not understand this. They wanted a king. They desired a king. And a king they would get. But the prophecy said, A virgin shall conceive, and a child will be born. Isaiah said in 9 and 6, For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder, his name will be called Wonderful Counselor, the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. In the increase of His government of peace, there will be no end. And this was the prophecy. Some of it they expected. They had waited for the King. They had sought for the Messiah. But this terminology, this concept of a child was a little bit hard to fathom. Because like wandering nomads, they're in desperate need, struggling to find success in the land. God has promised them constantly in captivity after captivity. They think they need a conquering king. They're looking for a man to rise to the throne who can raise up an army unlike any other. They need a king. Oh yes, they do. But the prophecy cannot be changed. God said, a child is coming. And so 700 years pass and the account of Luke chapter 1 occurs. When the Bible says in the sixth month Gabriel is sent from God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth to a virgin who is engaged to a man named Joseph who is of the house of David. This virgin's name is Mary. The angel comes to her with this proclamation, Hail, thou art highly favored. The Lord is with you. And out of all the women of the earth, Mary, you are blessed. And she sees this angel and is troubled at his saying. And the text would tell us that she begins to think within her mind, what kind of greeting is this that God would send an angel to me? The angel, knowing the thoughts of her mind, lifts his voice, Fear not, Mary, for I have come because you have favor with God. He begins to make this most amazing proclamation. Mary, in your womb is conception. There's something being born in you. A son will come forth and you must call his name Jesus. He will be great. He will be the son of the highest. The Lord God will give unto him the throne of his father David. He will reign over the house of Jacob forever. And of his kingdom there shall be no end. Mary is hearing the word of the Lord and the magnitude of the promise is so great that she asks this question, how shall this be, seeing I know not a man? What she is telling the angel is, I am a, a virgin right now. I am simply engaged. The day of my marriage is not yet and I'm not willing to violate my purity and my integrity. So you explain to me how I can be with child if I'm still going to be a virgin. The angel says, here's how. The Holy Ghost is going to come upon you. The power of the highest is going to overshadow thee and there's going to be a holy thing born in you called the Son of God. And if you have any doubt about my ability to do it with you, I want you to look at your cousin Elizabeth, who she too was barren, unable to conceive, and now is in her sixth month of pregnancy. 
For with God, Mary, nothing will be impossible. And Mary hears this declaration. Her faith is stirred and she responds, Behold, the handmaid of the Lord. Be it unto me according to thy word. And the angel departed. I don't understand it all, God. It's a little bit of a stretch for my faith. You're, you're pressing me into a new paradigm. But God, if, if you've said it, I choose to believe it. And now you know as well as I do that as the prophecy had declared and as Mary had been told, Messiah is born. Jesus comes. But sadly, many are blinded. They cannot grasp the promise because of the package that God sent it in. Oh, had it been a grown man who stepped to the throne, that they could have received. But because God sent greatness in the body of an infant, the world so easily overlooked it. The promise had come, but the package was unfamiliar, and they struggled to believe. They could not look into the face of a crying infant and see a conquering king. But somewhere beyond the surface, what Mary understood was that this infant child is destined by divine promise. So very vulnerable right now. He, he can't feed himself. He can't change his own diaper. He, he requires the care of another individual. And so one might wonder, what threat is such a child to the kingdom of Herod? But yet we find Herod so stricken with fear that he issues this decree that every male child to and under must be slaughtered. If he could not find the one believed to be the Messiah, he would seek to take out all who could possibly be the Messiah. He is so stricken with fear. But the reality is today is that the infant is of no threat. But what is is the prophecy on that boy. This is what Herod understands. He knows that the infant is of no threat, but that baby will not stay a baby forever. He understands as this baby becomes a boy and this boy becomes a man, as he grows into the prophecy on his life, then all the powers of hell and all the systems of man and all the ideologies that have governed the world for thousands of years will be threatened by the prophecy on this child Jesus. I know it's easy to overlook because he came in a manger. But don't you be fooled today. He will not stay there. And so Herod understands that a prophecy from God on the life of this infant is of greater power than anything in my kingdom. The soldiers of Herod begin to make their way through the land. Looking for the lives of every male child to and under. I've come to tell somebody today. Consider this reality. Your unrealized potential is more than enough to attract the adversity of your enemy. 
He is but two years old. He can hardly speak. He has not yet come to a place of maturity that he fully understands who he is or what his life will entail. There is unrealized potential in the life of this child. But his unrealized potential was enough to send some shockwave into the spirit that would trigger fear in the heart of Herod and attract adversity to his household. I come to tell somebody today, you know why? You've got a little adversity in your life. You know why there's struggle all around you. You know why it feels like there's pressure when you're trying to follow after God. It's because there's unrealized potential in you. And what the enemy would desire to do is cause you to make a decision right now based upon what you feel. But I've come today to tell you, don't make that mistake. Don't you think you've got to make a decision that affects today based on what you see and you know right now. I've come to tell you that there's unrealized potential in you. And you cannot make your decision based upon where you are right now by the spirit you need a glimpse into the future so you can see what God has created you for what purpose God has ordained you for that unrealized potential the cruel will of Herod is being carried out on the land and by night an angel comes to Joseph and enlightens him to the plan of this wicked leader and shows him a way of escape. Joseph goes to his loving family and tells them, The Lord has given me a word. We've got to flee to another land. What you need is not only to discover the unrealized potential in your life, but you also must be awakened to this truth. You need a protector in your life. Oh, I know you're Jesus, but you're still in the season of infancy. You've not yet grown to a place of maturity that you can navigate this on your own. And so you need a protector in your life. You need somebody who can hear from God. Somebody who can see what you can't see. Who can hear what you can't hear. You need somebody who loves you, who cares about you, and who is willing to be inconvenienced to protect you. Maybe God gave me a word and trouble's coming, but he showed me a way of escape. And then nothing. We hear no more of this child Jesus. Ten years pass for which we have no record of. No scriptural detail of the events that fill this time and space. The next time we hear of Jesus, he is not a child anymore. He is a young man. He is 12 years old. And the events of the story are so unique. Because as a growing boy, he has learned to humble himself and receive of his parents. And it seems that as they have nurtured him and provided for him, that most importantly, they have put him in an environment that taught him the value of spiritual things. We won't read it for the sake of time today, but you can find it in Luke 2, 41 through 52. Joseph and Mary have made their pilgrimage to the temple for worship. 
When the time of worship has concluded, they have gone a day's journey toward home. And all of a sudden, how it happened, I do not know. But they realize our son is not with us. Immediately they return to Jerusalem and the search begins. Now, one might think that you would be inclined to look where you last were. That the first place you would go would be the temple. But scripture seems to indicate otherwise. I submit for your consideration this afternoon that maybe they looked where most of the other kids were. Maybe they went by the community park. They checked the playground. They looked at the basketball court or went by the soccer field. They went where all the other 12-year-old boys were thinking Jesus would be with them. But not until three days later do they find Jesus. And do you know where they find him? Sitting in the temple among doctors and scholars and theologians. The Bible says both hearing them and asking them questions. Joseph and Mary got so caught up on the path home that they neglected the prophecy God put in their life. Caught up in the routine, caught up in their schedules, caught up in their plan, caught up in the busyness on that path home. That they are a day's journey out of Jerusalem when they come to this realization, our child is not with us. The promise God put in our home is not. Well, I've come today to tell somebody in this room that you need to be very careful not to neglect the promise God put in your life. Paul told Timothy, he said, Neglect not the gift that is in thee, which was given thee by prophecy with the laying on of the hands of the presbytery. He was telling that young man in the ministry, whatever you do, don't get so caught up in the system and the work and the schedule and the busyness that you neglect the gift that I put in you. And here in this text, somehow, some way, I don't know. I'm a parent of three and I cannot comprehend it. They get a day's journey out of the city when they come to the realization our gift from God is not with me right. How? I can't fathom it. But somehow they have walked a whole day toward home and neglected the truth that the promise the prophecy the gift of God has been left and when they get back they find him doing this most unique thing and it resembles to us a striking shift in the life of Jesus Christ because for 12 years he has been the humble recipient of everything his parents could give him but in this one moment he does what I call embracing his missional maturity he has constantly been receiving. But now, for the first time, we see him giving. And his parents cannot understand it. Luke 2 and 47. The Bible said when they heard Jesus, keep in mind, he is a 12-year-old boy, that they're astonished at his understanding and his answers. And when they saw him, they were amazed. And his mother comes in and says, Son, why have you dealt this way with us? Behold, your father and I have looked for these sorrowing." You have saddened us. You have grieved us. Where were you? We were worried. And Jesus looks back and says, How is it that you have sought me? Don't you know that I must be about my father's business? The Bible said they didn't understand what he spake unto them. And Jesus went down with them and came to Nazareth and was subject unto them. 
And his mother kept all these sayings in her heart. Verse 52 of Luke 2. Jesus increased in wisdom and stature and in favor with God and with man. That word stature means maturity. This is a defining moment in the life of Jesus where he comes to a place of maturity where he understands, I'm not an ordinary boy. I know I look like every other 12-year-old on the soccer field, but I understand something about me. There is prophecy on me. There is purpose on me. God has a unique plan for me. I know I look like everybody else something beneath the surface and he begins to grasp his identity he begins to understand his mission this is why he speaks of his father's business it reveals that he is growing into this place of maturity but he does not use his validation from God as justification to usurp the authority of his parents in his life as great as his understanding is as much Revelation as he is now walking in. The Bible says he went down with his parents and was subject unto them. And just like that, we hear no more of him. Could it be that, that Jesus understood his, his father had, had held him as a boy and said, Jesus, there was a time you were just two years old and one night God came to me in a dream and God showed me that there was destruction coming in the land but God gave us a way of escape and when all the other boys died God spared us and God's mercy was real to our family and Joseph taught Jesus this principle that submission protects your prophecy and so at 12 as much revelation as he is walking in he is willing to submit to his parents because he knows what God is doing in my life is protected by the submission I exercise but then no more it's like the story stops we see him at 2 we see him at 12 and then we see him at 30 another 18 years have passed when Jesus comes to this wild prophet named John. He is the voice crying out in the wilderness. Prepare ye the way of the Lord. He's a peculiar character. He dresses different. He's got a diet nobody wants. But he has the unique task of being the forerunner for the Messiah. One day, it's in the muddy waters of the Jordan River that Jesus comes and says to John, I want you to baptize me. Don't be mistaken today. He is not being baptized for the remission of sins as you and I are. For he knew no sin. There was no sin in him. This baptism is the inauguration of his divine mission. This is the beginning of the announcement that the rescue and the redemption of all people has begun. This is the beginning of the worldwide announcement that everybody, that all people, that every nation will know the King is here. Oh, I know I came in a manger. I know you've overlooked me because the path that I've come. I know some have not believed because I seem so common. 
I was just a carpenter framing the same way you were. I know some have believed me to be a teacher. Some have called me prophet. Some have called me rabbi. But don't miss it today. Just because I came in a manger does not mean I intend to stay there. He came in a manger and we see it in his infancy. He matured in private. But 18 years passed. And at the age of 30, he rises to the scene with this majestic announcement to be made known to the masses that the king is here the same power that had always been present but was unseen because it was packaged in the soft skin of an infant child who needed the care of another individual it had always been there but he had come to this place of maturity and the timing had come into alignment with his understanding that the plan and the prophecy of God could be carried forward and what was so easily overlooked in the last season would now be made plain for the whole world to see it was time the manger had passed infancy had passed childhood had passed he rose to the scene in majestic fashion and showed forth the power and the ministry of the Messiah who is this Jesus oh yes He's a carpenter. Who is he? Oh, I know some call him rabbi. Some even say he's a prophet. But the truth is, he is the king of kings and the Lord of lords. His power is sovereign. We've already sang it today. He has no rival. He has no equal. His lordship can't be challenged. His glory has no equal. The Bible said he alone spreadeth abroad the heavens by himself. That heaven was his throne. Earth was his footstool. The Bible says that he weighs the mountains. Oh, Everest is the glory of man, but God sets it on heaven's scale. He holds the oceans in his hand. We can't know the depths, but he holds it in his palm. This is the glory of our God. He came in a manger, but he did not stay there. And all of a sudden, from the baptism in the Jordan, he bursts forth in a fashion unlike anybody had ever seen before. He shows up to a wedding in Cana of Galilee where they have run out of wine. That's no trouble. He issues a command, and all of a sudden, water becomes wine. He comes to Capernaum where an official son is, is sick, but that's no problem. He heals him. He comes to a man in Capernaum who is possessed of an evil spirit. That's no problem. He delivers him. He even healed his mother-in-law for Peter. Jesus starts working through the crowd, healing all that are sick and oppressed at the evening time. There's a miraculous catch of fish, a fish on the lake of Genesaret. Jesus cleans a man with leprosy. And these are but a few of the miracles we find in the Gospels. He hears a paralyzed man who was let down through a roof. He heals a man with a withered hand on the Sabbath. He raises a widow's son from the dead. Jesus calms a storm on the sea. He casts demons out into a herd of pigs. He heals a woman in the crowd with the issue of blood. And this is just the beginning. Jairus' daughter is dead, but that's no issue. He just brings her back to life. He heals two men who are blind. He heals a man who was unable to speak. He heals an invalid at Bethesda. He feeds 5,000 men plus women and children. He walks on water. He heals many who are sick as they only touch his garment. He heals a deaf and a dumb man. He feeds 4,000. He heals a blind man at Bethsaida. He heals a man born blind by spitting and rubbing mud on his eyes. He heals a boy with an unclean spirit. And this is just the beginning. 
They catch a fish and there's money in the fish's mouth. He heals another blind man and a moot demoniac. He heals a woman who had been a cripple for 18 years. He heals a man with dropsy on the Sabbath. He cleanses 10 lepers on the way to Jerusalem. He raises Lazarus from the dead in Bethany. He restores sight to Bartimaeus and Jericho. And still, it's just the beginning. He withers a fig tree on the road to Bethany. He heals a servant's severed ear while being arrested. The second miraculous catch of the fish of the Sea of Tiberias is by his spoken word. And still, it's just the beginning. I've come today to tell every precious person in this room that this Jesus we are in the presence of right now, he is king. He's king over every sickness. He's king over every sin. He's king over every circumstance. He's king over every care in your life. He's king over every principality and power. He's king over all evil. He's king over every lie. He's king over all defeat. He's king over all despair. He's king over all depression. He's king over all anxiety. He is king. There is no man. There is no army. There is no political kingdom. There is no national border. There is nothing that can stop him he is king and when he gathers his disciples together before he ascends back into heaven he spoke unto them saying all power is given unto me in heaven and in earth not some power not a little power all power not just enough power all power come on look at your neighbor and tell him that all power all power is given unto how are you going to do this lord all power all power but i didn't just come to preach about some spiritual metaphor story of the past today i've come to tell you that buried in this truth is the path that this church is walking they missed him at his coming because the manger he was laying in but the truth is He's not a baby anymore. And the same majesty that has been in that body since he laid in the manger is now being revealed because the season had shifted. And I've come to tell Extraordinary Church today that we're on the threshold of crossing over into another season. I preached about it Friday night. I talked to this church about that paradigm shift. I've come to present the same truth to you in a little bit way today. The season is shifting. The same sense of destiny. The same measure of greatness. The same prophetic future that has been resting on this house for a long time. But might have been overlooked by many. May not have been comprehended by many. Because the way it came. Don't you be fooled today. Because you're sitting in a rented facility with put out chair. Don't you mistake what's in this room today. Because the package God sent it in. I've come to tell you that there is a peculiar and unusual, a great measure, a prophetic future on this church. God has his hand on this local congregation. And while some people may struggle to comprehend it, they may struggle to see it because of the package God sent it in. Do not be one of those people. Because the truth is, he's not a baby anymore. He's not in the manger anymore. He's not even in the temple anymore. He's not walking the earth doing miracles anymore. He's not on the cross. The grave is not occupied. The grave is empty. You know where you're going to find him? Seated on the throne. 
Revelation, you can read it for yourself. The only one worthy to open up the scroll was he who came off the throne. Jesus is not one part of God. He's not one person of God. Paul said, for in him, in Jesus, dwelleth all the fullness of the Godhead bodily. Jesus is God. And if you want to know where you can find him today, it's seated on the throne. Oh, I know it was easy to overlook it when he was laying in a manger. But I've come today to give you a little insight so you don't miss your moment and you don't miss your opportunity. I know this doesn't look like a lot of other churches. I know right now we're not sitting in a multi-million dollar building that we own. I know we've got to set up and tear down. I know there's a lot of things that are unique about this season. But do not miss the greatness of what God is doing because of the package he's put it in right now. Just as he took him from a manger to the temple to the time of his public revealing, this church and you personally are walking this process where God takes you from infancy to maturity. But there comes a moment when God says you've embraced your missional maturity and I'm about to reveal you to the world. I know you missed me when I was an infant, but I'm not an infant anymore. I am the king. Oh, if you could go back and ask those beloved Jews how different their response may have been if they could have made their decision when he was in the manger with the insight they had when he had risen from the grave. But you and I on this great side of history. Get the advantage of looking back. And learning some lessons. That we don't make the same mistake. Our keys can come. I know what it's like to plant a church. I know what it's like to walk this journey. One church started with four people in the living room in the summer of 2010. And this morning they had 125 people in that congregation. I know what it's like for people to walk into an auditorium or into some rented room that doesn't look nice and is inconvenient to get to. And decide they're not going to stick around. Because the church there on the street has programs and facilities. and I know what it's like to watch them go. But on more than one occasion, have those who have left one church six or seven years ago when it was 15 or 20 or 30 or 40 people in a little rented meeting room have come back for a special occasion or a special service in our $1.8 million building that we own and didn't pay for. When there's over 100 people, the power of God and miracles are happening realize what happened what happened was you didn't perceive it when it was in the manger and so you missed the process of maturity and so when you come back in this season you feel no connection it seems strange to you but I also know what it's like to watch those who bought in when there was ten there was 15 
and when there was 20. I know what it's like to watch those who take ownership of that baby and say, I'm going to care for this like it's my own. And I've watched them repent and be baptized and filled with the Spirit of God. And I've watched them grow in ministry. And I've watched the anointing God flourish on their life. I've watched their gift of worship. I've watched their passion have the ability to break open an environment and God begin to minister. I've I've been there when they give their prophecy to the body for the very first time. I've been there when they're used in the gifts of the Spirit or where they lay hands on the sick and somebody is healed. I've been there. I wonder how it happened. They didn't miss it. They perceived that God has sent it in an unusual package. But I still perceive what's in that baby. I'm preaching to an extraordinary church today. But I'm also preaching to individuals in this room. The process of growth from manger to majesty is to receive the prophecy and submit to a protector. Listen, I know... I know the concept of submission is foreign to our day. I know the corporate world would chew it up and laugh at it because in your workforce, you've got to walk all over everybody. You've got to be better than everybody. You've got to tear one another up to look better than the other person so you get the promotion, you get the raise, and you get the opportunity. But you hear me right now. The only way the prophecy can ever come to pass is if you submit to a protector. You say, Pastor Akia, I submit to you. Challenge me, Pastor. Call me to greatness. Tell me the truth. Show me the way. If you ever feel something, if you've got to challenge me, if you ever need to rebuke me, if you need to correct me. Maybe you don't know this, but let me tell you what I know. His heart is filled with love. And maybe in some other context, in some other relationship, you've been abused, you've been hurt, you've been lied to, you've been rejected. And vulnerability is a hard thing for you. And trust is a difficult thing for you. But if you're ever going to get from the manger to majesty, you've got to learn how to humble yourself and submit to the protector. It's not because God's trying to control you or manipulate. It's because God loves you. Come on, if you're a parent in this house, how many times have you had to stop your children from doing something? Get away from the stairs. Get your finger out of the outlet. Put the knife down. It's one thing after another. And you're not doing it because you're withholding pleasure. You're doing it because you love them. And you see something in them that you're trying to protect. You have envisioned a future for them. That you are fighting to keep them safe. So they could live in the fulfillment of the future that you see they have. And Joseph knows. Mary came home that night and said, Maybe. God gave me a prophecy. God told me something's coming through this womb that will literally touch the world. And Joseph says, okay, well, I'm going to do everything I can to protect it. I'm going to live with such integrity and honesty and spirituality 
that in the middle of the night, God can talk to me and say, Joseph, there's trouble coming. Here's a way of escape. And Mary lives with such submission and such love and such trust that when Joseph says, baby, we got to pack our suitcase and go, she says, okay. Pregnant, probably Ryan's an uncomfortable donkey who knows how far. Because she trusted it's this mutual submission, this mutual accountability, and this love for one another, this sense of belonging, this, this trust, this affirmation, this intimacy and relationship together that preserves prophecy. And what everybody else missed, they fought to protect because they could perceive it. And the truth is, I know he came in a manger, but he didn't intend on staying there. And I know for a moment you saw him in the temple, but he wasn't staying there. I know for a little while you saw him doing miracles on the earth. The truth was, he's not staying there. He's going to go till he gets back to where he came from. He's going to sit down on the throne because he's king. Extraordinary church. You precious people, you child of God, hear this preacher today. God is calling greatness forth from this church. God is calling greatness greatness forth from you. And the way that your prophecy comes to pass is for you to receive that prophecy, submit to the process, work with the protector until you've lived the same truth You've walked the same journey Jesus walked. And all those people who thought you'd never do anything great, all those people who overlooked you or thought you were common, see how you thrived in the process. Come back with a different perspective. Because they discover they shouldn't have judged you in your infancy. Because God wasn't going to leave you there. He was going to walk you to your majesty. Stand together with me. He is king. Jesus is king. I don't know what trouble you might have walked in this church with today. I don't know what kind of problems might be plaguing your mind, what kind of adversity you're fighting. I don't know what dilemma you're dealing with. Uh, But you hear this preacher. He's king, and he has all power. Thy kingdom is an everlasting kingdom, and thy dominion endureth throughout all generations. And the truth is, is that every miracle he performed when his feet walked this earth was just a demonstration of divine dominion. Evidence of his kingship. Proof of his lordship. That cancer is not greater than me. Depression is not greater than me. Your conflict is not greater than me. I am greater 
hear me today, somebody? Whatever you're fighting, whatever you're dealing with, God is greater. I want you to hear this. The word dominion, it means to tread down. To tread down. And dominion is what Jesus promised. And so with that understanding, Ephesians 1 and 22 and 23. Speaking of our Lord, it says that He hath put all things. All things. Why don't you touch your neighbor again and tell him that. All. Maybe I've shared this with you before. But this is an amazing revelation of the Scripture. The word all means all. Not some things, not a few things, but all things. God has put all things under His feet and gave Jesus to be the head over all things to the church, which is His body. The fullness of Him that filleth all in all. The New Living Translation says it like this. He gave Jesus to be the head over all things for the benefit of the church. God has done some things in the Spirit. God has done some things in the world. And do you know why He did it? For the benefit of the church. You know why he did it? Because he could look into the future and say, I know nobody sees it. Nobody understands it. I'm an infant. I'm in a manger. My mama's got to feed me. She's got to change my diaper. I'm being born in a stable. But I'm doing this because in a couple thousand years at 2500 Mimosa Road, in the auditorium of Cooksville United Church there's going to be some people that come into a place called Extraordinary Church who have baggage and have weights and have things they're fighting in adversity they're dealing with but God said I'm going to do some things I'm going to put it under my feet why? for the benefit of the church He did it for your benefit He did it for this day He did it for this moment and if you could see in the Spirit it's like Jesus is walking around stomping His feet on all the stuff you're dealing with God is saying I'm treading down I'm treading down I'll tell you what I feel I feel like God is putting a spirit of depression under His feet God is lifting a weight of despair off this city God is taking the bondage and the crime and putting it under His feet Come on, what are you struggling with right now? What are you carrying right now? Visualize it. God is treading it down. God is putting it under His feet. God is walking all over that thing. And here is the greatest part. He said it's under His feet. And He calls the church His body. That means not only is it under His feet, but if I am in the church, it's under my feet too. 
And if I can do what he does, then I can get what he got. So I start walking. Hear me. That's what I feel like God's saying. I'm speaking to the church, but I'm also speaking to some people in this room right now. You have allowed situations. You have allowed circumstances. You've allowed things that you don't understand or questions you don't have answers for to halt your forward motion in God. The problem is that the moment the enemy stops you from moving, he stops you from treading down what God said you can tread down. And so fear comes. Fear freezes us. And we still. That's what happened when David showed up in the valley of Elah. All of Israel was held captive by the challenge of their enemy. The Bible said they were greatly dismayed. It means they were shattered. It's like their world had been rocked. Could not comprehend a way forward. They're frozen. David says, Nah, not me. I know who I am. Because it was just a chapter prior, the prophet Samuel called him out and poured a horn of oil upon his head. And before the lie of Goliath entered into his ear, it had to pass through where the anointing had run over. He says, No, I hear the same thing you hear, but I interpret it differently because it passes through the anointing. There's a prophecy on my life, David said. And I filter every challenge, every fear, all adversity, every trial, every struggle. I, I judge it all through the perspective of my prophetic future. And God told me, I'm going to be the king of this nation. And so while everybody else is frozen, David starts walking forward. And in every step forward, he's treading it down. Every lie, all fear, all despair, it's under his feet. It's under his feet. I'm preaching to you today from the manger to majesty. It's where extraordinary church is going. But it's where God is calling some individuals here right now. You've been a little bit idle. You've been holding still on God. And God is saying, if you'll just start taking some steps forward, the things you've been fighting, I'll put under your feet. If you'll just take some steps forward, if you'll finally make the decision to repent of your sin, if you'll finally make the decision to submit yourself to my word and be baptized in my name for the remission of your sin, if you'll finally believe my promise and my will for your life and you'll just begin to surrender and worship me, I will fill you with my spirit. If you'll just hear this and you'll start walking forward, what you've been fighting, God will put under your feet. Because everything he did, he did for the benefit of the church. He did it for this day. He did it for this moment. He did it for you. Come on, would you lift your hand to the Lord right now? I love you, Jesus. I love you, Jesus. I love you, Jesus. I love you. 
here's what we're going to do. This may be a little uncomfortable for you. It might be a stretch. It might be more than what you're normally used to doing. But if you'll allow me the liberty today, I just want to push you to go a little bit further than maybe you've gone before. Because I'm telling you, if you'll just start taking some steps forward toward God, you're going to find out that you don't have to keep fighting all those things you've been fighting. That God put some things in extraordinary church for your benefit. God knew the struggle that you'd fight. God knew the things you would deal with. And he put the dominion and the authority in his church so that on this day, in this year, in this city, in this church, you could come and you could get what you need to walk in liberty and receive your miracle, to receive your help, to receive your joy. So maybe this isn't what you normally do. Maybe it's going to be a little bit of a push for you. Maybe you're going to have to challenge your comfort zone, stretch yourself a little bit. But I would love it if we all together would empty out these chairs and try to press into the front right now. If you could step out of your seat Make your way to the front. You say, why? What are we doing? We're just, we're taking a step forward. We're moving toward God. There's a, there was a great TED talk a couple years ago about how movements start. It's a funny little video. There's, my goodness, probably hundreds, if not a couple thousand people on the side of a hill. And one person gets up and just starts dancing, acting a fool. And then somebody else joins them, and somebody else joins them. Until by the end of it, the whole crowd of people are dancing together and the point is simple how does a movement start by one person who doesn't care what anybody else thinks and if you can come to God with that sense of fortitude and that sense of desire right now God I don't care what anybody else thinks I'm going to start walking forward as a member of this church as a person in this community I'm going to start doing what you did and I'm going to start walking forward and I'm going to tread down some adversity I'm going to tread down some fear I'm going to put some things under my feet today because I'm tired of living how I live hear me now in the Old Testament there's a story of a woman a Shunammite woman every day the prophet walked by Finally, she stops. She says to her husband, Baby, I perceive that this is a holy man of God. And I'm tired of God just passing things by us. She says, Why don't we do a little renovation on our house so when it comes by, we can invite him in and he can stay a little while. And what God is calling some individuals to in this church right now to make some renovation on your house on your spiritual house get out the hammer get out the saw 
start doing a little work because God has passed you by Sunday after Sunday Wednesday after Wednesday special event after special event but God is saying extraordinary church you're not going to be in the manger forever that's just a season and I take you to the next season and the next season but what is required for us to move from infancy to maturity and from maturity to ministry are people who embrace the process and allow God to stretch them and to grow them and what happens as God grows you personally he grows the outflow of ministry from you I said it Friday night but this is what it's going to look like God starts filling with people with his spirit on Sunday and they're praying people through to the spirit the next Sunday God heals you today God takes depression away today God takes anxiety away today and you're laying hands on somebody at your workplace on Thursday afternoon saying God I don't really know how this works but I know that when I prayed on Sunday I, I've never been the same since and I'm just asking that you would do for her what you did for me and all of a sudden what God did for you you're doing for others because you're treading it down as you walk forward into your prophetic future. Thanks for listening to our podcast. Join us next week for another message of hope and life in Jesus. If you like what you just heard, we hope you'll pass along our web address to all of your friends, extraordinarychurch.ca. We are a young church plant with a lot of people living an extraordinary life in Jesus. If you're looking for a way to become better connected to what God is doing, email us, info at extraordinarychurch.ca. We'd love to hear from you.